Creator God, as we come together this day, as we take time out of our week to reflect and to pray, to bring our full selves to you, and then to bring your love into our lives and into the lives of this world, especially in the broken and hurting places, God, open us up that we might learn from your ancient and new word. Open us up that we might be transformed by it, comforted, challenged, haunted, and changed. And all this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. And again from that text that Andy read, And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. As a working writer and a fan of good writing, I've learned that there is no substitute for a good first opening line, right there on page one. That a powerful or effective or clear or provocative or funny or even weird first line in a book or an essay or a sermon, the best draws the reader or hearer immediately into the piece. It makes us want to read on, to listen on, to find out what happens next. The cardinal rule that you never want to break in writing or speaking is simple. Don't bore the reader or the hearer who has given you the time to entertain or enlighten or educate them. So first lines, they matter. They matter, like, in the beginning, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Is that a great first line or what? It's a beautiful first line. You read it and you think, well, what's coming next? I want to know. So I need you to kind of put on your thinking caps this morning. And I want to see if you can guess what famous books feature the following first lines. You guys ready? Okay. First one. Call me Ishmael. Moby Dick. Okay, it was easy. Uh, here's kind of another easy one. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Harry Potter by J.K. Rowling. All right, this is a little harder. It's science fiction. It was a bright, cold day in April, and all the clocks were striking 13. 1984. And if you know that book, that's an amazing opening and appropriate for that book. Okay, last one. How about, he was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the Gulf Stream, and he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish. Old man in the sea, Ernest Hemingway. But I have to tell you, my favorite page one entry, right up there with the book of Genesis, for me, there is no contest. It's Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. From the start, the opening sentence sets the scene and the setting for a wild and great and bad and beautiful and confounding and hopeful moment in human history that Dickens writes about, in the history of a nation, France, 
at the time of its revolution, a sometimes violent, chaotic uprising by the poor in that country against a corrupt monarchy and ruling class. And you know how it begins. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. Dickens captures the contradictions of that time in history that folks were fighting for human liberty even as they also had mock trials and put to death so many innocent people. That the wealthy claimed they had the so-called best interests of the people in mind even as those same people starved for food and for freedom. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Which in my mind's friend is a universal truth for the world and not just in late 18th century France, but also in so many other times. I would say most times in human history, in the human story, in our story as a people, as a nation, as a global community. I mean, think about 2019. It is a good time to be alive. Fewer people than ever before in history live in poverty around the globe. So many diseases, especially childhood diseases, that just a generation or two ago took millions of lives, now these are essentially eradicated through science. And this is the one that just blows me away. Through a handheld device no larger than a pack of playing cards, you and I, billions of folks worldwide, the rich and the poor and everyone in between, we have access through this device to more information more quickly than ever before in the history of humanity. It is the best of times. And it's the worst of times, too, as so many folks still live in fear with little or no human freedom in China, in Russia, in large parts of Asia and Africa. America's original sin, racism, it can feel as if it is blooming and spreading like wildfire anew, still 400 years after the first slaves were brought to this country. And our media landscape continues to devolve, and so we wonder what news, if any, to trust or believe anymore. And our country and the ways we talk to each other now these days communally and politically. It is hard and it's hot and it's nasty and it's mean and it's coarse and it's negative. So much trash talking. It is the best of times. It is the worst of times. And so I think our question as people of faith, as people of God, God who created the universe and the universe and you and me and all that is within it and then declared that it was not just good but in fact it was very good, very good. How are we to live within the seeming contradiction of these times? The best of times and the worst of times. Will we live with hope or despair? With cynicism or God-inspired optimism? With faith in the arc of justice that it will one day prevail? Or fear 
that the bad guys always win and there's nothing we can do about it as Christians, as citizens. So friends, to begin our new church year, I offer us all one clear challenge, that in how we live and how we love and how we move through this life, let us always strive to be a people of the good, a people of the good, even the very good, in this sometimes bad world we find ourselves living in, the good, to build up and not tear down, to trust in God that God is somehow working things out for the good through all people, that the worst thing good people can do in challenging times is to give up or roll over or throw up our hands or imagine it has always been bad and always will be thus. No. No. I think we as followers of Jesus Christ must have the courage in the midst of all our world challenges to see the good and to be the good and to do the good. To see the good, to be the good, and to do the good. That's what I invite us all to think on and pray on as we gather together again as God's people at 25 South Main Street in Shilburn. The good, to see it. Now, a caveat, to see the good does not mean that we somehow deny or ignore the bad, turn away or cocoon or pull within or just watch Netflix 24 hours a day, seven days a week. God always calls us to be engaged with the world, all of the world, but how we see that world, as I told the kids, it will largely determine how we experience the world. Do you hear that? Vision equals reality. Vision equals reality. We can look down at the mud. We can look up at the stars. What will it be? I mean, I know I often struggle to be a person who sees the good in others, in the world, in myself even. But if I look hard, really hard for the good, I always, I always find it. Now, one of the joys I received this summer was undertaking a 12-day, 2,291-mile five minor league baseball game road trip to end my nine weeks away. I traveled with my little Honda Fit through 15 of our United States. And all along the way, I encountered and I saw so many good people and so many beautiful places and was embraced by so many fellow Americans, most of them strangers, but all so good to me. The woman who gave me a free ticket to a sold-out Dayton, Ohio Dragons baseball game. The traveling salesman who watched the game with me on a hot Sunday August afternoon and proudly pointed out his nephew who was playing first base for the Aberdeen, Maryland Ironbirds. The old friends who opened their homes to me along the way. The motel desk clerk who greeted me with a mile-wide smile and said, welcome. Every single morning, I had to check in. My epic road trip reminded me that most people, the overwhelming number of people we share this nation and world with, they are good folks. Do you hear that? They are good folks. They are trying their best to be good neighbors and good workers and good neighbors and good citizens. And it's easy to forget this truth. Because good news just doesn't make the news, right? 
Is there a, like a good news news channel? No. Which reminds me of a second strategy you might think about doing to see more of the good. Turn off the news. Turn off the news. The drone of the TV playing all day in the background. The blare of the radio in the car. The incessant ding of news notifications on our smartphones. We must stay informed, absolutely. A wise man once said that Christians need to go into the world with a newspaper in one hand and a Bible in the other. It's not about not staying informed. It's about being wise about the news that we read, being discerning, um, and knowing that enough is enough. Because our news environment is now one of so much confrontation. Did you ever notice that? It's just people yelling at each other. It's no matter what the station. And there's like, like eight heads across the screen, right? And they're all yelling at each other. Or it's about manufactured drama. How many times can we hear the local weathermen tell us how just bad the hurricane is going to be? Anybody notice that? Okay. I mean, it's, it's manufactured drama. It's not real. So on my road trip, I had several long days in the car, eight hours or more. And in the past, I would have kept NPR news on the radio the whole time. But this time, I listened to a little news and a lot of Harry Potter, the first four books. And boy, that was very good. The other truth I know I need to remember as I seek to see the good in this good world and to see the good in people and to hope for the better is the truth that it is the best of times and it is the worst of times in most times in human history. Think 2019 is tough or hard or bad? Try 1968 with its multiple political assassinations and the Vietnam War and protests, or 1861 and the Civil War, or 1929 and the Great Depression, or 1941 and the Second World War. Friends, the conceit of every human generation is that we can convince ourselves that our times are definitely the hardest and the most epic and the most intense times while the truth is that history always ebbs and flows, swings from crisis to crisis and triumph to triumph. It always has been. It always will be. And so our choice as Christians is simple. To see the good and not just the bad. To seek out the good. To thank God for the good. To muster the spiritual energy from our good God daily to push back against the bad and make a difference for the good each of our God-given good days. This is how the poet Max Aram talks about this in his poem Desiderata. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive God to be, and whatever your labors and aspirations, in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it still is a beautiful world. A beautiful world, a good world. If only we do our best to see the good. 
May God open our eyes to the good and make us vehicles for that good in our sometimes bad world, the good. Let all God's people say in hope, amen.